North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. Hello, hello. This is Dr. Noel from Dr. Low Radio. Thanks for tuning in to another fabulous, amazing show. And uh, it's a great day. I just actually uh, did a crazy thing this weekend. I ran a half marathon because I'm insane. And I don't actually recommend to do that without training or without stretching before and after, but I did that. And I'm sure Dr. Larson on the show tonight will have a lot of things that he will be uh, (laughs) saying is very wrong about doing that. Uh, But that was the cool thing about my weekend. And I wish you guys could actually see what's happening right now. My dog, Dinah, is sitting right next to me on my desk right next to the microphone, just staring at me like, are we really going to sit here for another hour, mom? <laughs> she's been so patient all day here at the office, but she's super cute. So she gets away with it. Um, announcements. Next week, we are going to uh, actually, no, it's not next week. It's tomorrow. Oh my gosh, it we went so fast. Tomorrow, um, we are having uh, an event here in San Diego for all you local people. No, sorry, it's Thursday. Gosh, I don't even know what, what day it is. Thursday from 4.30 to 8 o'clock, that is May 15th, um, the Vibrantly You event with Dr. Diana Hoppy and myself. And we're going to be talking about women's health naturally. So my topic will be about nutrient deficiencies in women. And Dr. Diana Hoppy, who's actually, um, she, she was on the radio show a few weeks ago. She is the OBGYN who specializes in women's health. She's amazing. And she actually speaks the, the, the uh, language of natural medicine as a conventional doctor, which is just so refreshing to be around her. And she's going to be talking about ways to have optimal health as a woman. So um, check out vibrantly-u.com. So vibrantly-u.com. And uh, that's going to be a live event here in San Diego for all you local people. We have a couple people actually flying in from out of state to attend. It's going to be a great time. We'll have some food, we'll have some wine, and just some good, good times. So it'll be nice to meet you guys in person if you can come and join us for that. Also, if you missed last week's show, we had Steve from SCD Lifestyle on to talk about how to heal your gut naturally. And I love that show. I thought it was just packed with a lot of really great information. We were talking about the gut healing program at drlowleakygut.com. So go over and check that out. If you are suffering with any gut issues or any autoimmune conditions, it's just it's a brilliant product that they put, put together. And it really makes my job easier because if I were to go through all of this you know, in detail, it would take me so much time. So to have everything in one program is just very helpful for me as a doctor. So I highly recommend their product. And also, too, some other fun things. I'm over at Instagram. I've been posting a lot of pictures of what I'm up to. So if you guys are on Instagram, I'm over there at Healthy Low, um, Healthy L-O at Instagram. And um, on to tonight's show. Tonight, we're, all, we're talking about how to boost athletic performance and um, increase recovery time from a natural medicine perspective. There's a lot of things that you can actually do for all of you athletes out there, or all you fitness enthusiasts. And we have Dr. Uh, Chad Larson on the show tonight to uh, kind of chat about how to do this stuff naturally. So Dr. Larson is one of the other doctors uh, here in our clinic at Shine Natural Medicine. We, get, we have lots of fun being able to uh, talk about patient cases and geek out on lab work and um, it's a blast. So on to Dr. Larson's bio. He is um, a naturopathic doctor so got his naturopathic medical degree from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine and also a doctor of chiropractic from the Southern California University of Health Sciences. 
graduating with honors because he is super smart. He is a certified clinical nutritionist and also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is a really cool blend to have kind of the bodywork part with also the naturopathic part and also more of the fitness component. So it's very uh, unique for what he can offer patients. He practices integrative um, naturopathic medicine with cutting edge lab testing and diagnostic imaging and including, of course, diet and nutritional counseling. He does a really cool therapy called prolotherapy, which we've talked a little bit on the show before, but we'll get into it in more detail tonight. And also bioidentical hormones, IV therapy, and many other things that he does. And I'll let him tell you guys a little bit more about himself. But Dr. Larson, thanks for being on the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Thanks a lot for having me. I have a feeling yeah. that we may have to talk about your, your injuries from, uh, or potential injuries from your half marathon, but good for you for finishing. I was so sad you weren't here today. I wanted you to work on my foot and my back, and oh, it was like the worst oh, day to not man. have you here, but it's okay. I'll, I'll be using your services, I think, on Thursday. <laughs> right, that, right. Yeah. How's your day been going today? Well, I was in a faculty meeting all day today, so it wasn't super exciting, but I learned a lot, and it was just one of those kind of have-to sort of meetings, um, yeah. so that's all good. Cool. Well, I got a chance to listen to your show you did with um, with Evelyn on Elevate Your Energy, and um, it was crazy because you had said that one of the books that made a big difference for you was Total Wellness, and I totally geeked out on that book, too, by Dr. Pizzorno. I, I was um, just a, actually an intern uh, just shadowing a doctor at the time, and I asked him, what's the one book that I should read that will blow my mind? And he said, read Total Wellness. And I swear, I could have just dipped that book in a whole bucket of highlighter because I just I got so much out of it. So it was really cool to kind of go back to that memory. Well, you know, the exact same thing happened to me. I was in my first year of chiropractor school, and somebody gave me that book. Actually, you know who gave me that book? was a good friend of mine named Atis Karazian, who maybe some uh, of your listeners know uh, about. He said, he said, oh, man, this is a really awesome book. You should, you should read it. And I read it cover to cover, and I think it was the first time in my adult life that right when I finished the last word of the book, I started it over from the very beginning because wow. I went, wow, that was so profound. And this was probably 20 years ago now. It was so profound, and, it, and at the same time, it was so rational and logical that I was like, wow, I was in chiropractor school, and I looked up these doctors that had an ND after their name, which I didn't really know much about, because in, in California, NDs weren't licensed at the time, and um, I looked them up, and I found out that they went to this, uh, or, or actually, uh, Joseph Pizzorno, Michael Murray, Joseph Pizzorno started the, the school, Bastyr University, a naturopathic medical school. And so I actually phoned them and I said, hey, can you send me an application? I want to know more about what you guys do and where you're at. And they sent me an application. And um, I just, uh, you know, NDs weren't licensed in California at the time. And I was on the chiropractic track and actually very happy with that. So I didn't, I didn't pursue it at all. But there, the information was absolutely profound. And now um, there's a, a Bastion University, California uh, school here in San Diego and I just started on faculty there. So it's kind of an interesting full circle kind of thing that really uh, started with that book. That's, that's so cool. It must, be, it must feel really good to be able to give back to the profession now after being just obsessed with it, you know, and then learning about it, becoming a doctor, and now being able to be a, um, on faculty. It's, that's, that's wild. Um, and I know, and, and I've had this, this conversation with, you know, other guests, and I've, I've heard it a little bit on the show you did with Evelyn, but 
um, it sounded like you had kind of a personal story what got you into going into natural health in the first place. So what, what was kind of the interest in even getting into this field in general? I know first chiropractic, then naturopathic, but did something happen when you were younger or what, what, what kind of spawned this, um, this interest for you? Well, first as a chiropractor, for the chiropractic profession, you know, again, I didn't really know much about what chiropractors did. My family never went to chiropractors growing up. Um, but when, uh, when, uh, when you talk like at orientation with other, chiro- other chiropractic students, something was very common uh, between all the different students. And it, it was usually one of two routes that somebody ended up at chiropractic school. One was either legacy, if they had a, you know, a mom, dad, or uncle, or aunt that was a chiropractor, and they decided to follow them in the same profession. The other one was uh, people who were helped by chiropractors in, in kind of a profound way, and that's, that's the, the camp that I fit in. Um, I was at college, and um, I injured my back pretty severely. I had like a twist on my back. I couldn't stand up straight, and I had se- severe pain in my back, and um, somebody said, go to a chiropractor. I didn't really know what that was, and so I started... Um, calling around, I ended up at a chiropractor office, and I was completely fixed in one visit, and it wasn't even difficult for him. He knew exactly what was going on with me, and and I thought that was totally impressive. And I was kind of on a med school, maybe PT track at the time, and he said, you know, look into chiropractic, and he started throwing out some statistics and interesting things. So I went into our our career counseling center. Um, at the at the school I was at, and read about chiropractors and the whole curriculum at the schools, and I thought that hands-on approach to medicine was was so cool, and definitely something that I I wanted to get into. So um, so that's kind of how that started. Uh, but then ND school as a chiropractor, I got to a point where um, my my clinical interests were not really supported by my license as a chiropractor. Most of them were, but there were a few things that um, that I wanted to explore with my patients that I really wasn't trained in, and and I my license didn't really support. So that's why I thought if I really wanted to serve my community of patients in that in that way, I needed to get really some some more thorough training. Um, and looking back, I think, wow, you know, going to another four years of medical school. It, that that was, seemed a little a little excessive, but um, but I'm really glad I did it and I learned a ton, and I'm so happy to use these new modalities and information for my for my patients. Yeah, it's fun to not be limited to be able to do pretty much everything you want to do with patients, and it's you know you're able to really customize things for them and be really holistic with it. And obviously, we have a lot of tools we work with here at the clinic, so it's super fun. So yeah. let's kind of dive into this, like getting into more of the um, you know, athletic performance and um, talking about recovery a bit. I know you do some really amazing types of techniques at the clinic, and um, so let's let's start with let's start with the athletes. Um, you know, it's amazing to me how often I'm actually telling patients to stop working out so much, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But let's kind of jump into like let's talk about what people do wrong first, and then we can go into what people should do right. So. <laughs> Um, what are some of the things that you see in your practice that athletes are doing that probably shouldn't, that they shouldn't be doing? And then we can kind of dive into each of those a little bit more in detail. Yeah. Well, if, if training were an equation, it would be workout plus recovery equals training. 
And so mm-hmm. you got to you got to have the recovery aspect of it. And I think I think probably a lot of athletes, especially um, there's like the elite athletes that that get that, and I'm sure they even abuse that concept sometimes. But I think it's the the weekend warrior athletes that um, they just go from you know they do crazy things like run a half marathon on a weekend without <laughs> proper training. But uh, but no, I mean you know there's there's a way to train that you have to have proper recovery time because training oftentimes is really breaking the body down. You're breaking down your ligaments. You're breaking down your muscles and tendons. And that's kind of uh, a, an important part of the, the fitness part of it. You have to, your muscles and tendons and even ligaments respond to the concept of supply and demand. And so you have to put a significant demand on those, on those parts of your anatomy in order for your body to, uh, to uh, meet that demand and supply those areas with greater strength and greater endurance and there's no like there's no shortcut to that if you want to have better endurance you have to you have to do endurance training and there's 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 pain and there's difficulty with that and you have to have proper recovery time because if you keep just breaking down then you're going to end up with injuries and I see that so often um, with athletes you have to have the proper recovery time and that's where the, the supply really happens is in the recovery time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like charging your battery. So what what are we talking about in terms of recovery? I mean, what does that really look like? So like, let's say someone is a runner or maybe someone's a crossfitter, um, someone like Olympic weightlifting or something like that. Like how much recovery time do they typically need? Well, those are all totally different. Uh, but, you know, so it, it does come back down to the specific sport, the specific event. Um, um, endurance type um, uh, uh, training and recovery is different than somebody who's doing like powerlifting. And recovery can come come down to the day. It can come down to the week. It come down to the whole training session. If you're if you're training for a marathon, you know, and you start your training like three months in advance, there's a slow workup to that. Especially if you're coming off from like an off season and you're kind of starting from scratch the recovery has to be much longer than the training. And then as you get further into your, your, your schedule and, and closer to the event date, then it kind of reverses and you probably have a little bit more training time, at least relative to when you started, and your recovery time could be shorter and shorter. And then as you sort of taper and you get toward, toward the event time, then you're, you're ramping back up the, the recovery period that the body is very well conditioned without any injuries that might have been sustained during the training. And that's, that model kind of fits whatever the event is, even if it's a short burst kind of, you know, CrossFit kind of workout. Um, you still have to have proper um, recovery time, but it might, be a little bit, it might be a little bit different with, like, weight training. But um, especially if there's an event that you're working towards, which is always kind of a cool thing to do because it, it keeps you excited about your workout and gives you sort of an exit plan. Um, the recovery time is, is just important, and it, it comes down to the individual a little bit. Com- it comes down to their age and their experience level, um, but it's absolutely vital. Mm-hmm. And overtraining, it's, it's something we talk about in our practice, and I, I think people kind of generally know of the term a bit, but... I see this a lot, you know, especially with women, they're coming to see me, they're trying to lose weight and they're just killing themselves in the gym, working out six or seven times a week. 
and they're just not losing weight. And they're really not too concerned about overtraining. They'll pretty much do anything they need to do to lose weight. So just the, let's kind of look into the topic of overtraining. So, you know, what does it matter besides just aches and pains with overtraining? I mean, is it just aches and pains or there's some real damage that can happen? What, what can that be? Yeah, there can definitely be real damage that happens, not only on the anatomical level, like, you know, a, a joint or a tendon. You can really get something like tendonitis pretty easily in overtraining back to the supply and demand, you know, concept. If, if there's just too much demand on a tendon and not enough recovery time, not enough supply, meaning nutrients, then, uh, then injury is going to happen. And that injury is going to, is going to become chronic if uh, the proper care isn't taken. So I think, I think overtraining is not only on a structural level, like, uh, like breakdown of a, of a tendon or, or a muscle, but also on the biochemical level. Overtraining oftentimes is, is uh, you know, driving through our basic nutrients faster than we're resupplying them. And, uh, and if you don't, you know, certain vitamins and minerals and antioxidants are available in our system in a, in a finite amount. And if we're, if we're going through those faster than, they're, than we're repleting them, there's going to be a deficiency, and a deficiency is always going to lead to some type of overtraining syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so athletes could, in essence, have a higher level of free radical damage, oxidation, than someone who maybe sits on their butt all day and eats fairly healthy, right? No question. As an athlete, you can't just follow the normal, you know, RDA sort of, you know, daily recommended amounts of nutrients. You've got a greater, uh, such a greater demand on your system. You have to supply your body with, um, with nutrients on a regular basis. And, of course, we feel that those nutrients need to come in the form of, you know, natural whole foods is by far the best way. But if somebody's deficient enough, we also consider things like, uh, like targeted nutritional supplementation. And, of course, in our practice, we do things like nutrient IVs just to really bypass um, the whole GI tract and get nutrients right where they need to be. So there's different ways to do it depending on the needs of the individual but, uh, but, yeah, we have to think not only the outside in, but also the inside out with, with recovery and training. Yeah, for sure. So the, that's why it's so important that absorption is working properly, that the health of the gut is really intact, um, you know, that they're chewing their food and, uh, you know, actually digesting their food. Let's get into some of these nutrients. I mean, I love talking about food as medicine. It's one of my favorite topics. And especially in the area of performance and recovery, it's just huge. It's huge. It's huge. Like you talk a lot about with, um, with patients, just the integrity of, you know, the, um, the tissues. So ligaments, the tendons, I mean, there are nutrients that help to repair those. Um, and then even just the integrity of various tissues and, you know, blood vessels and things like that, which are taking wear and tear. Um, during, you know, athletic performances and such. So what are some of the key nutrients you think are important and maybe like something that, let's say someone who's an athlete and they're working really hard with their fitness, what's maybe some things they might consider adding into their, their regimen? Well, I think at, a, at that level, they really have to consider their protein intake because proteins are where we get our amino acids and your, 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 your deeper physiology is going to find your amino acids somewhere. Either they're going to get them from your diet, ideally, 
or it's going to start breaking down muscle tissue. Muscles not only help us to, to move around and to give our body structure and strength, but they're also reservoirs of amino acids. Like, for example, if, if somebody gets, gets ill with either, um, you know, like maybe they just get sick with the flu or something like that, oftentimes we get these aches and pains in our muscles. That's literally the muscles being broken down to create this amino acid pool in our system for our immune system to tap and to help uh, heal us. Um, but this also happens in the stress of training, that if, if we don't have the proper amount of protein, our system is going to pull amino acids from our muscles, and that's obviously the complete opposite of what we want during training. So the proper amount of, of protein is really key, and that varies a little bit from what event you know, a person is, what their age is, what their sex is, that kind of thing will determine exactly how much protein. So it is a bit of an individual thing, but typically it's going to be more than what the person is currently consuming. And then while we're increasing our proteins, we also have to increase our nutrients that help your body process the proteins. In other words, we can't just have, like, you know, increase our, our lean meat consumption and then eat a bunch of, like, refined carbs. That just doesn't work for the body. You have to, you have to increase relatively as your protein goes up you have to increase your your vegetables you got to increase like all your leafy greens and you know your cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and bok choy and kale and sprouts and all those things those have to be equally increased as you ramp up your protein so those are probably the two main things that i see deficient in most uh athletes Mm. what are some of the nutrients i know we do a a good amount of nutritional, you know, nutrient testing, and um, and that can really help to customize things for people what they're actually deficient in. What are some of the nutrients that you see that are deficient in people, or some of the ones that you use to get their, um, you know, their nutrients nutrient levels higher? Yeah. So exercise is a stressor to the system. So you have to consider um, how our our physiology works under stress, and most stressful events, whether they're physical or mental, emotional or, or biochemical, um, all tap the adrenal glands at some level. And so if the adrenals are, do not have the cofactors and the building blocks to supply the adrenal hormones, which are so important for so many different reasons, but definitely during times of stress, then we're going to be deficient in those things. And that's going to affect our ability to fight inflammation. So B vitamins are really critical for uh, proper adrenal function. And if, if a person is not getting enough B vitamins in their diet, then their adrenal glands are not going to function properly. So many other physiological processes are going to be off because they don't have enough B vitamins. And B vitamins are the water soluble. You don't store these things up for like, you know, a week later. It's we use them that day. And, um, and so they have to be resupplied. And the greater demand that we're putting on our system, especially with, with, uh, with you know, uh, strenuous training, then we're going to be flying through these B vitamins. So it makes the importance of getting B vitamins in our, in our diet even that much more uh, crucial. Another big one that I see is vitamin D. Um, you know, from a, we're kind of focusing on sports medicine, orthopedic kind of issues, um, muscle pain is a really common symptom of vitamin D deficiency. So I run vitamin D on just about maybe, I want to say every new patient, but it's at least almost every 
new patient, and it's so commonly deficient. So that's another one that, um, that I really think people need to get enough of. And then along with that, um, essential fatty acids um, like fish oil, flaxseed oil, but just oil that we get also just through our diet. A lot of people forget that leafy greens are an excellent source of omega-3 fatty acids. Everybody thinks of, of fish oil, which is also great, um, but also leafy greens are, have a, a really good amount of omega-3 fatty acids, as do certain um, nuts and seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if, if an athlete starts to add some of those things into their routine, they're going to help muscle recovery, their performance, right? Um, it's just going to really help to support their body through that stress and probably some adrenal support too. I mean, if they're hitting it really hard, like some of those B vitamins, maybe some other adaptogens or something, right? Absolutely. Yes. You know, oftentimes if somebody has kind of a, uh, an overtraining sort of syndrome, I'm going to look at their adrenal glands for sure, their adrenal gland hormones, especially cortisol and DHEA. And if they're deficient enough, um, B vitamins isn't going to quite do it, especially if they want to keep up some degree of training. So that's oftentimes where the adaptogens come in. Adaptogens are, are, are botanicals. There's probably hundreds of botanicals, of, of adaptogenic botanicals, you know, in the world, but there's only maybe six or seven, probably less than 10 that have been really, really thoroughly studied to understand what they do in the body. And so those are the ones that we use most, mostly, and they're really excellent at uh, supporting the whole HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. It's kind of the whole uh, pathway of adrenal hormone function and the adrenal adaptogens have been shown to really support that whole pathway. What are some of your favorite adaptogens? I like uh, Elithrococcus. Um, it used to be called uh, Siberian ginseng. Technically, it's not a ginseng, so, um, so we're using more the word like Elithro or Elithrococcus. But that's a really, really fantastic one. I love it. Um, another one is Rhodiola. Rhodiola was, u- was used and, and still has, has been used by... Um, by, uh, uh, it's, it's from sort of uh, Russia, Asia kind of area. And mm-hmm. um, now, you know, you can get it anywhere now, but that's where it was originally used. And they found out they used it with um, athletes. They've used it with, uh, they've done studies on people who have very physically demanding jobs and, um, and long work hours, hard labor kind of jobs. And what they found out when they gave them rhodiola, it increased their mental and physical endurance, and it decreased their, their, their illness and injury sick days. So um, the, the studies on it have been really fantastic. There's other ones like um, the Ayurvedic herb ashwagandha. That's another good one. Uh, the ginsengs are good, like Siberian ginseng, American ginseng. So uh, that's just kind of a short list of, of some of the, the key ones off the top of my head. Love, love, love. So for you guys listening, if you're wanting to maybe look up some of these these nutrients, Eleutherococcus, I'll try to do a spelling bee right now. So let's see, E L, let's see, E L E U T H E R O C O C C U S. Is that right, Doc? Yep, that's right. <laughs> okay, and then Rhodiola is R H O D I O L A. So that's Rhodiola. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. I've always deep down wanted to win a spelling bee. I never had the opportunity, so I can do it on my show. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So you mentioned some of the nutrients. Um, 
What are what are some of the other things that maybe athletes should be doing but aren't? Anything else you can kind of think of that maybe they should be doing but are not? Um, I think uh, getting individualized uh, training recommendations. A lot of people can just go online and pull down like a training schedule, but it might not meet their needs. In, in, by needs, I mean by their age or their sex or just their fitness status. And I think some people might follow a program that is is not appropriate for them, and mm-hmm. they, they can get they can get injured that way. And that's just unfortunate because, they're, you know, maybe they're training for an event that they've always wanted to train for, and they're following the wrong training program. So, I think it it is a good idea to you know to hire somebody. You have to hire them for your whole training process, but just to hire them to just build a program for you, and maybe you check in with them. Once, once in a while, I think that's um, that's a good way to go. You know, that's kind of an in, at the endurance level, but at the the weight training level, I think getting a, a personal trainer. And obviously, there's some good personal trainers and some really really lousy personal trainers. And so, maybe get a referral from a friend that had a good experience with a trainer, or just ask around. And it, it wouldn't be difficult in most areas to really find who are the best trainers and. Um, and to get some get some professional um, advice because even something like form when you're doing resistance exercises, form is so much more important than the weight that you're that you're trying to uh, move. And if your form is off, you're gonna get injured. One of my first um, clinics was in a gym, and you had to walk through the gym to get to my office. <laughs> and uh, there were some really good trainers, and there were some really bad trainers, and. I just had to walk with my head down just going, man, I just can't watch this guy train this woman right here because he's just going to totally injure her. And sure enough, she'd probably end, in my, end up in my office at some point. But um, So, yeah, it's really important to get good, good training. But there's professionals out there. You don't have to spend a lot of money on it. Uh, but it's important to get some good ones and get some, some professional um, advice. What do you think about training at night, having people exercise at night? I'm not a fan of it. I'm just yeah. I'm a fan of kind of working with the the rhythms of the day and yeah. you know our, our cortisol from our adrenal glands is highest first thing in the morning so that kind of tell it kind of clues you in onto the way the the, the clock and the in the rhythm of the body goes and so typically I think um the workouts are are best probably the first half of the day um, in, in the later half of the day, it can be a little bit more difficult. And in fact, in some people, some vulnerable type people that are sensitive to these kind of um, circadian rhythm changes, is it, it can absolutely affect their sleep. And, um, it, and they can start to uh, reverse that curve. This has been seen in people, obviously this is kind of off the topic of training, but people who have like night shifts where they're fighting that, that, that natural rhythm of the day for their, for their job, end up with health problems because, um, because I think they're, they're just kind of going against the grain. Obviously, we need a certain night shift workers for certain um, professions, and that's, you know, it's a challenging job to have, and I, you know, I, I, I applaud them for doing that. But for training, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good idea. I think, I think near the first half of the day, is, if you can do it, is probably ideal. Yeah. I, it always makes me cringe when I – you know, see someone like on the treadmill or something is late at night or someone posting it on Facebook or checking in at some gym at like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. It's like, oh, man, I just go to yeah. sleep, you know, go to bed. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Right. 
What about pain? I know this is a big thing you focus on in your practice, and I, I see patients going into your office looking kind of down and coming out smiling. So obviously you do something that helps them feel better. Um, I know you work a lot with acute pain and, and also chronic pain. So what's kind of your approach with that, and what are some things that maybe that you could recommend for acute pain and maybe for chronic? I think the, the initial thing is, is you can't have tunnel vision on where the pain is. It's, it's important to assess, obviously, the area that, that has the most pain. Let's just take the ankle, for example. Somebody comes in with ankle pain, you know, the way that the, we call it the mechanism of injury, the mechanism is really key to understand how they, how they injured it. But then you have to figure out, you know, what, the lay, what that ankle is connected to and to see if there's any, anything else going on that's further up chain, potentially, from the ankle that led to their ankle problems. Um, especially if it's what we call insidious onset, where it, it doesn't, you know, it wasn't injured, there was no frank injury with it, they didn't have trauma to it, but all of a sudden they just started having ankle pain. Oftentimes, I'd say probably more often than not, the problem is not where the pain is. The problem is somewhere further up the chain. Maybe it's in their, their low back, or maybe it's in their hip or their knee, or somewhere maybe in their foot, maybe it's at the, at the other end, maybe it's in their foot and their biomechanics are off in such a way that it develops into biomechanical problems and eventually turns into an ankle problem. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's considering the whole body, and that's just on the structural part of it. And then as naturopaths, where we have a big focus of, you know, looking at the body holistically just to see if there's anything internally going on. Maybe their ankle hurts because they're getting swelling in their ankle because they have, for circulation, and so we have to consider the cardiovascular effect on, on their ankle problem. So the key thing is just is to consider them as an individual and, and two people who come in with seemingly the exact same ankle problem could be coming from two totally different things. And I think in, in our type of medicine, this is what separates us from our, our allopathic counterparts, that two ankle problems oftentimes are kind of the same thing and, and end up with the same diagnosis and same treatment. With our kind of medicine, we don't really see it that way, and, uh, and we have to consider, you know, what led to that individual's ankle pain. Mm-hmm. What's your, what are your thoughts on icing? Do you, are you a fan of icing? Are you picky about when it's done? I know it's kind of controversial, actually. Um, initially... I think if there's a, especially if there's a traumatic injury, we, we want to try and control the inflammation in jail. The inflammation is there for a certain purpose, and it's, it's doing its job, and it's important to have some inflammation as part of the healing process. But at the same time, too much inflammation can be very, very uncomfortable and debilitating. So, so oftentimes ice uh, and cold compresses are a good idea initially just to help control the inflammation. And... Um, um, and so that's kind, of, that's kind of where we start with that. But for more chronic injuries, it's more difficult to, to pinpoint what's going to be right for the individual. Um, I have them try um, either one, either, either heat or, or cold, depending on especially the na- what the nature of the injury is or, or of the pain is, and to see which one helps them. And sometimes that helps me diagnostically to know, oh, it's, it's heat, you know, it totally helps me helps my pain go down, or cold is the only thing that can help my pain go down. That really helps me diagnostically. But then from just a therapeutic aspect, sometimes I'll do a, a contrast of ice and heat, and they get the best of both. 
and I think that kind of helps to to pump the inflammation out uh, doing both ice and heat together. Oh, yeah. I'm just remembering, I just got a flashback of when I had a, a chronic um, shoulder injury a few years ago, and I was in naturopathic school. I was doing a lot of weightlifting at the time, and I just had the worst shoulder pain. And it wasn't like one injury I could think of, but it was just, I think, wear and tear over time. It, it just started to really act up. And the the best thing that helped me was doing alternating hot and cold in the shower. I would do, um, I think it was like a minute of cold and 30 seconds of hot, and I would alternate on that on directly on the pain and it was like the the very best thing I could do. Now I had to do it a couple times a day, but I didn't have to take any medication or or anything and it made such a huge difference. And the important thing is that I always ended on cold. And I I've talked a l I don't think we've talked a ton about hydrotherapy on the show, but I mean hydrotherapy is such an amazing um form of healing that's, you know, zero side effects really. And it's it can yeah. be just so powerful of using your body's own healing response to um, reduce healing or sorry reduce the swelling, increase the healing, reduce the pain. Um, it made such a huge difference. So yeah, thanks for that reminder. Oh yeah, yeah. It's such an old technique and it is so effective. It's uh, I, I'm reminded of that so often of how how just how effective that is. And it, it's one of my favorite uh, therapies to give patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to get back in the habit of ending my showers on cold. <laughs> it's kind of hard, but yep. it's That's good. That's a good one. And you know, you could you could do the cold on on whatever area that tends to be most difficult for you. For example, if somebody has like chronic neck pain, you can end the cold just right on your neck, and it's it's still so good to do that. Uh, or maybe maybe people have headaches on your head, or if people have um, um, low back pain especially low back pain that doesn't necessarily have an injury to, but it's kind of like fatigue type low back pain. Ending cold, like right over the kidneys, like right over the low back is, is just, it's so energizing and, and revitalizing that it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a really great technique. Yeah. One of the things we, we love in our medicine is, is using the body's own healing response to address various things. So with, for the example of regenerative medicine, it's something you do quite a bit in your practice. Um, and, you know, prolotherapy. So I'd love to get into this a bit. If you can kind of go over what this is exactly, regenerative medicine, prolotherapy, um, who's a good fit to have this done? I know it can be just a brilliant alternative to surgery for many people. So I, I'm excited to have people learn a lot more about this. Yeah, regenerative medicine is kind of a general term that now includes a lot of different procedures and, and uh, techniques and protocols. Um, what it is in, in sort of orthopedic medicine um, is it's using the body's own healing systems to to fix a problem. For example, there's a technique called prolotherapy, which is kind of under the umbrella term of of regenerative injection therapy. Under that umbrella term, there's lots of different types of injection therapies. There's prolotherapy. Uh, especially uh, dextrose prolotherapy, there's PRP prolotherapy, and I'll, I'll kind of explain those in a sec. There's things like biopuncture, and there's different ways that you could stimulate the body's healing responses to, to do what you needed to do for that individual. So let's say, for example, if somebody has um, arthritis in their knee or they have um, uh, maybe some ligament damage or some cartilage damage in their knee, um, there's, there's ways that, well, here's the way that uh, what I really liked about prolotherapy and this regenerative kind of therapy is that as a chiropractor, what we're 
I think exceptional at is if there's a joint that's stuck and, and, a, and a ligament that's too tight, we're good at loosening it up. We're good at um, freeing up a joint so that it moves better. But when a joint is loose or damaged, it's difficult for chiropractic to affect that. And so what I really liked about learning new techniques was there's things out there that we can learn to, that we can use to tighten up a ligament that's, that's unstable. And so with this regenerative injection type therapy, we can use a certain a blend of substances and inject it right into the ligament in kind of a, in a very targeted, specific way, and it encourages healing factors to literally regenerate and repair and regrow that damaged ligament or tendon. So, um, so adding that to the, the chiropractic uh, background was such a an awesome addition to what to what we can do with our patients, and um, and I've just seen it do really fantastic things with so many different types of joint problems. So, so, sorry, go yeah. ahead. I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm just going to maybe go into a little bit of the different types of. So there's there's dextrose prolotherapy, which is dextrose is a type of sugar. It's what we call a, a proliferant, which it helps to proliferate a targeted uh, healing or inflammatory response. So it's different than like chronic inflammation, which is like systemic and that can like more break down tissue uh, over the long term, but a targeted uh, healing type response helps to encourage healing factors that are going to repair the the damaged ligament or or tendon. And then there's PRP, which is uh, platelet-rich plasma. And what we do in that technique is we we draw the individual's own blood, and then we spin it in a centrifuge. And by spinning it at a high velocity, it separates out the different components of the blood leaving one particular layer um, of plasma that's really uh, loaded with platelets. That's why it's called platelet-rich plasma. And so we can draw that off, and we can inject that into their own joint, and that really ups the the healing factors um, for that ligament or tendon. That's awesome. Because there's not a lot of blood flow to those particular areas. It's not very well vascularized, where as opposed to maybe doing IV therapy, we can give someone an IV treatment. And if they need to come in the next day and they only have one vein, that's an option. A lot of times we can use the same vein because it heals so fast, but those tissues just don't heal very quickly for that reason. So let's say someone goes with this route and they're doing a series of prolotherapy treatments. What's their typical, I guess, you know, length of time they need to do this? Um, what's like the success rate you've seen with this? So what, what does that look yeah. like? My experience of it is pretty much fits what you read in the, the clinical research. The clinical research is typically a treatment is required um, about every two to five weeks, depending on what substance is being used. Typically, if it's PRP, there's oftentimes a longer period of time. If it's dextrose-type prolotherapy, it's usually maybe uh, two to three weeks in between uh, treatments. And typically, it's about four to six treatments, depending on the, on the condition that you're treating. Um, and that's about what it takes to get the, the full healing response and recovery. So that's, that's what it says in the literature, and that pretty much fits what my experience of it is. Which parts of the body do you have the best success with? Is it the shoulders, the knees, the ankles? Um, well, 
That's a good question. And I've had with I've had success with um, the neck, the low back, shoulders, uh, knees, elbow, ankle. I guess that's almost almost all of them. But um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, the the major joints that get the wear and tear. Those are the ones that that you see most of the research on uh, for prolotherapy, and it, it's it's effective for nearly every every joint you can think of. It depends on the condition. If a ligament is completely torn in half, the prolotherapy is not going to do anything for that. It, there still has to be some integrity to the ligament. It can't pull ligaments together. But if the ligaments are are damaged and they're overstretched or there's cartilage damage, it can help to regenerate uh, those type of types of issues. But if a ligament is completely, you know, torn in half, um, completely separated, then prolotherapy is, is probably not the technique for that particular ligament. So, so yeah, every, you know, there's good research on, on nearly every joint, uh, every major joint that we have with uh, prolotherapy. It sounds really scary because it sounds painful to me. I'm, I'm such a, I'm, I'm I'm really like a renegade when it comes to injection therapies. I can even give myself an IV, but for some reason that sounds scary. So what's the pain factor? How, how does this compare maybe to like an IV or a shot? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question. And uh, there's different pain thresholds. But I've, I've done this on all types of patients, even ones that are highly hypersensitive. And it comes down to a few things. Um, the, the gauge of the needle, if you have a needle that is is thin enough, then the pain is not going to be, um, you know, as significant. But also the solutions that we're injecting can play a major part as well. There's different uh, percentages of dextrose solution that we can use. So the higher the percentage of dextrose, the more inflammatory response we're going to induce. So typically when we're starting off, um, we're going to start off with a lower percentage of dextrose so that it's, so the pain is not so significant. But there's some degree of discomfort that is uh, kind of um, innate to the process of prolotherapy because we're, we're inducing a targeted inflammatory response. So just kind of by definition, the, there's going to be some pain associated with that. Um, again, I've, I've injected lots of different joints for different types of people, and it's, it's like maybe a, a couple days of pain for that particular day you know, part of the injection process usually involves um, lidocaine in the solution. And lidocaine is it's an analgesic, kind of like if you go and get a dental procedure and they numb up the mouth, it's, it's oftentimes a, a type of lidocaine analgesic that they'll use. And it's the same kind of thing. So for the next, you know, four to six hours, there's not much pain because they have the lidocaine in there. But, but the next day or two is oftentimes a little bit of inflammation and a little bit of uh, discomfort with that. But that's expected and normal and, and part of the process. But it's, it's rare that it's, um, that it's severe. <laughs> okay, I won't be such a wimp. I probably should get one done, to be honest, because this shoulder injury sure. has been going on for a while, so I just need to suck it up and do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll feel like a million bucks, so it's worth it. Um, yeah. So amazing. I think that, that treatment is just it's incredible because people don't, really know that there's options besides just surgery or just deal with it. 
so it's really it's great to have that option that people can be empowered to do something naturally that's going to work and and it's going to really it's going to fix the problem if if it's effective for them and and oftentimes it is so it's just so cool that they have this option um yeah that's what i like about it i think it it it, it fits not that that whole concept of just giving people multiple options but then it's also i think quite naturopathic because we're using our body's own healing response to uh, to really do the do the medicine, and we're just yeah. kind of the we're just the vehicle that helps to initiate that that healing response. Yeah, amazing. So, um, okay, how about how to recover after an athletic event? Naturally, I'm talking about myself a little bit to be totally selfish, but. After an event, like maybe a marathon, for example, or maybe a marathon, or maybe someone who did like a CrossFit event and they did maybe regionals or did the CrossFit Games or something, what are some things maybe they can implement short-term to help to deal with the recovery? Well, just to uh, maybe touch on what we do in our clinic is, for that kind of thing, I think um, some, some really good tissue repair type IV therapy is would be awesome if somebody has access to either our clinic or a clinic like ours that that does that type of um, of nutritional therapy um, IV. That's a really awesome way to just get those nutrients in there. Um, if somebody doesn't have access to that, I, you know, I think it comes down to um, again, amino acids are so key. We get our amino acids from proteins. And you know, we usually mostly talk about uh, animal-based proteins, but could it be it could be uh, vegetable-based proteins too, like different uh, different types of legumes and nuts, and even lots of veggies have uh, proteins in them. But um, but I think proteins got to be really key just for the, the the repair and recovery process. And then fat, good quality, healthy fats are our building block for our own anti-inflammation system. So our omega-3 fatty acids from fish and nuts and seeds are, give us the building blocks to decrease the inflammation. It's like taking an anti-inflammatory. So I think, I think during uh, training and, and certainly after an event, just to make sure that we've got plenty of essential fatty acids on board, and that will really help with the recovery process as well. Mhm. My mind is brewing with the different things I want I want to customize for for my IV bag. So, I definitely want to throw yeah. in some extra magnesium for sure. So, got to get the yeah. magnesium in yeah. there. Um extra vitamin C, extra zinc, uh, maybe throw in some proline in there to help with the tissue recovery. Yeah. Um yeah. some glutathione to definitely increase some of this uh free radical <laughs> damage and um what else? Maybe some tramiel. So adding in the homeopathic tramiel for pain. Anything else you can think of? Perfect. Um, I would throw in some manganese and maybe some trace minerals um, and some taurine as another oh, yeah. amino acid to go with the proline. I think that would be that's excellent. Let, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. I also too the day after the race, I stopped by the clinic to get some work done. Actually, two days later. Um, and I did an IM shot because I only had a couple minutes, but I threw in, um, I think, uh, one whole CC of magnesium. And then I also did a CC of vitamin A and Mm. I kind of forgot after I did it that I did the shot and I was walking away from the clinic and I, I swear my, my, the pain in my leg was probably 60% better just from the shot. It was amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. 
It was yeah, really, really yeah, cool. Absolutely. Those, those nutrients are super, super key. Vitamin A is, is something that you could put in the IV as well. I've got like a, a, a tissue uh, repair uh, protocol, and vitamin A is in there, and that's, that's excellent. Do it. Okay, cool. Um, all right, Doc, anything else that we uh, haven't touched on? Any parting words? Um, anything you want to get on a soapbox about? Any, anything um, at all? <laughs> not, really, not really soapbox, but one thing that is just so key is sleep, proper yes. sleep. That that's where our healing really takes place. You know, if somebody has poor sleep and they've got a list of other symptoms, um, sleep goes above all the other problems because if we can't get somebody to sleep, then almost nothing else we do for them is going to matter that much. So, so sleep is such a major part of, of the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. So much fun. And I'm sure we can chat more about it tomorrow. And um, where can our listeners find more about you? Um, you could visit, uh, I've got a, a website, uh, which is drchadlarson.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, Chad, C-H-A-D-L-A-R-S-O-N.com. That's probably a, a good place to start. Right on, Doc. Well, you have a wonderful evening, and go hang with your, your family and sleep really well. <laughs> and I'll see you bright right, and early. Yeah. Um, actually, it's Thursday. I'll see you on Thursday. All right, Dr. Noel. Good talking to you. Are you too? All right, you guys, that's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. It was so much fun, and I might have to listen to that again. I have a couple ideas about how I can help my body repair because I was crazy this weekend. Um, have a wonderful evening, and check me out next week, same time, Dr. Low Radio, Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock. And um, go ahead and visit the website, drlaurennoel.com and shinenaturalmedicine.com. And if you're in the San Diego area, I'd love to see you in person. On Thursday night, we are giving a lecture called Vibrantly You. You can check out vibrantly-you.com, and I'd love to see you in person. Talk to you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.